Hi. My name is Ryan J. Downey. I am with Alternative Press for many, many years now. Thank you for coming out to the MI Conversation Series. John Feldman and Andy Biersack. Look at this. Can we just get an extra round of applause for John Feldman's suit? Are we gonna hold hands the whole time? Do it. It'd be really weird. People like all photos and stuff. Because right now we'd think it's funny, but in like a year when people are looking at photos and the two of us are holding hands the whole time, <laughs> without any context, just like this in all photos. Los just... Angeles! <laughs> Woo! Uh, as, okay, so you guys know Andy. John Feldman. Um, we just had Good Charlotte here uh, not that long ago. Uh, we had Sleeping with Sirens here not that long ago. Um, I've been constructing something. I don't think he knows this yet. I've said this in interviews to probably every one of his bands at this point. But, you know, we have the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right, where all the Marvel superheroes participate in this shared world. There's something I've, I've defined as the Feldiverse, which is the universe of bands that exist in the alternative press realm that share a connection with this guy. This guy has made, like, all of our favorite records, so... Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Um, and uh, I always, I, I've been saying this at every one of these for the last three or four, and I have to quote my friend Dave Peters of the band Throwdown, because this is his quote. Never trust anyone in the music industry who didn't try to start a band first. And Mr. Feldman is also a musician. I am, yes. Um, they know. Thank you. So, how did you two first meet? Grinder. No, no, right, no. Wasn't it? Wasn't that? Not, yeah. not, not how did you and I first meet, the two of you. Uh, the way that we first met was, I don't know if John remembers the way that we first met. You were working on the drugs record um, with, uh, Matt Good was living with me at the time, and I went to your old place, wherever that was. That's uh, drugs the band, not just every record Feldman does. <laughs> no, he was, yeah. uh, you were working on the drugs record, and I came over to your place. And uh, I met you that way, and then I, I we kind of had social meeting, but let's talk, what about the, the first time that you came to a Black Veil Brides show? The first time I remember meeting you was at the Whiskey, Black Veil Brides, this must have been what, like seven, six years ago? How like long 2009 or something. Okay, right, and I was just, uh, I forget, I was just one of the, some band I was working with was supporting you. Get scared. Get scared, was supporting you, and I was on the balcony waiting, and like, it, from what I remember, there was like, three massive security guards, like 250 security guards, and they push me out of the way, and they're like, Andy Beersack is about to go down the stairs. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, who the fuck is Andy Beersack, A, and, and B, like, dude, stop eating so much. Like, really? And uh, that was my first experience meeting you, my friend. It wasn't even a meet. I saw it, but you, you had like, yeah, it was, it was awesome. You had like a trench coat with your, you had this massive collar flipped up and you walked down. So you had a cape on, you like floated down the stairs. I'm like... I, I think Feldy's mixing up uh, the Batman films. No, it was, that Andy was, the first that time. was... Never owned a trench coat. It was a cape. Whoa. 
Oh, yeah, I did wear a Dracula yes, cape. Yes, it was a cape. You wore whatever. And it was like, this guy's awesome. I, What's I, funny I, about that story is that I did not have security guards, certainly. So maybe those guys were just like really <laughs> impassioned. I think they were volunteers. Yeah, they were impassioned large fans. <laughs> Some dude who was just eating and just like pushed me out. Okay, what? whatever. Was he eating while he was telling no, you this? No, uh, that's what I remember. That's what I remember. It's very of, unprofessional. Of seeing you for the first time. I don't remember seeing you, and I feel I've apologized for this many, many times over the years. No, uh, you I have never like, apologized. Can you forgive me in this no, moment? I cannot. Let's make this an open. But I wanted to do want to say that I saw I, when I saw you walk when I saw you walk on stage. I go, that guy is a star. That guy right there is a superstar for sure. Thank you. Well, I, I think that um, it was a few years then after that until we, we saw each other uh, again. Uh, we were working on, um, I'll just, if you don't mind, I can kind of tell the, the backstory of Please. how we wound up making Russian Divine and all, and all that kind of stuff quickly. Um, we, uh, Blackwell Brides, uh, we were making a record um, as a follow-up to Set the World on Fire, and we were making it with a producer in the L.A. area who... Um, uh, it, things weren't syncing immediately uh, with the band and, and him, and it wasn't anything, there was nothing wrong with his process, it just it did, was, it wasn't working out for us in the best way. Um, and so I had met John and we had worked together, I think we wrote We Don't Belong Here um, yeah. uh, early on, and we had clicked immediately and had such a good uh, chemistry that I walked out, I remember I walked into the studio one day and uh, the guys, I think CeCe was tracking drums, and I walked in and I looked at the situation and I kind of assessed that we were not happy with the producer we were working with. And I walked out to the street and called John and said, can we do the record with you? And then we okayed it there. And then I walked back in and asked the producer if he would walk back outside with me. And then we sat out on the pavement and I, I, I had to fire this guy sitting <laughs> next to me. So I had to come up with the excuse of like, well, it's not you, it's, it's us, man, it's not. And that was very sad, but then I didn't, it didn't bother me because the next day I was with Feldy and, and everything was better because, uh, I mean, as you guys know, uh, Wretched Divine is a very ambitious thing that we, we were trying to do, and I don't think we ever could have done that without Feldy. The concept record would have never come together without feeling the comfort that John gives you as an artist, and I think any of the artists that you guys know who've worked with John always speak emphatically about how comfortable he makes you and how free you feel uh, to explore and do different things and how much his ability to write songs and to know what's a great song will help you in, in terms of your decision making when it comes to what the record's gonna sound like or what the record's gonna be. So putting together a concept record would have never happened if it wasn't for John and we kind of just went in uh, head first and, and we didn't have a long time to make it but it, it felt like, you know, it felt perfect. Yeah, um, I just want to say how uncomfortable this, this goddamn shirt is that, that you've made me wear. Speaking of how comfortable I make you and how, anyway, that We Don't Belong was the first song I remember talking about the idea. Like when I grew up in the 80s, like you, ha you really had to pick sides when it came to music. Like for me, it was, it was really like Black Flag, Social Distortion, or Styx, REO, Speedwagon. Like you couldn't, you couldn't cross over like you can kind of cross over now with, you know, um, whatever, Justin Bieber and the Cradle of Filth. What, I mean, it's like whatever, it's music. I have, uh, I have shotgun. both in yeah, my exactly. phone right you, now. There's crossover, it doesn't even... Cradle like, of Bieber. Yeah. <laughs> And we were just talking about like growing, you know, growing up with music as as the culture of, of our lives being everything that encompassing our our bodies and just the music that we grew up on was very similar. And you growing up in a very different, you know, area and a very different lifestyle than I grew up in the Bay when I grew up in the Bay Area, you know, many more many years earlier than you. And we had this 
We just, I, to me, we had an instant bond of sharing love for punk rock music, especially 70s punk rock music. And the song, We Don't Belong Here, it just came out so quickly, and it was so painless, you know? The thing is, though, when I think about making Wretched and Divine, Andy had, like, he had such a clear vision. And one of the reasons that I think that, like, we've had such a great, like, Andy's been so successful. He's always, he's a visionary when it comes to lyrics, when it comes to melodies, and when it comes to what al kind of album you want to make. You've always got a very defined, and you wanted to make this record. You had a movie already planned. You had, you had drawings that you have drawn about, like, what the movie was going to look like before we even started writing a song. So for me, it was just, like, putting the pieces together was so was so easy, but I do remember the first couple sessions we did, I think there was a producer you had worked with prior that said, if you drink whiskey at 3 a.m., you get the, like a way better vocal performance. And I'm like, I'm like an up at six with my kids drinking like 30 espressos a day, very opposite of that style of recording. And really quickly, like I, I realized that your voice was much better when you removed the whiskey. Your attitude was also better, and you kept your clothes on also <laughs> when you removed the whiskey from the situation. We found that out on the Andy Black record that I sing much better when I'm not drunk. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, well, I'll, I'll give you the backstory on that real quick. The, uh, we made our second record with a producer who was a very nice guy. I met him a few times, uh, and that is to say he was mostly not there during the process of making the record, so we were kind of left to our own devices, and being shitheads that were trying our best to live the rock and roll dream or whatever we thought that was, the requirement to be fucked up all the time was there. And that's, I don't advocate that because you make some very poor decisions. You could see images of how we dressed back in those days to maybe uh, <laughs> see an example of potentially some of the cod pieces and whatnot. Um, you know, uh, but uh, th that time was very much full of like, you know, we were trying to live the debauchery and stuff that we had seen and all the behind the musics and all the things that we loved about you Hollywood. You read Motley Crue the Dirt and you were sure. like, sure, but the I, thing I is, can we, top you know, that. when we were legitimately poor and living right down the street in Little Armenia in a shit ass one room apartment and, and we wanted to kind of live that thing. So when a producer comes in and tells someone who's 19 years old and wants to be that thing, you sound better when you're fucked up. That was all I needed to hear. I was like, for the rest of my life, I will be drunk all the time and so uh, going into working with Feldy that was this thing and then it, it was I had moved past it in my life and I had grown up and that wasn't something I was doing all the time but I still had this weird element in my brain that was like oh I have to drink at least uh, a, you know a hot whiskey or something while we're recording or I had this weird thing that I had to have some sort of booze in my system and uh, fortunately we discovered that that is not true and I actually sing better not drunk so don't get drunk everybody sound better. This message brought to you by Earth Crisis. Yeah. First time that we actually did a session where you, d it was it was literally like night and day because we had done, you know, and, and making Wretched and Divine, there was a lot of moments where we, we you know, there, there was, you know, so we were screaming and double kick and we're, there's a lot, you know, a lot of shredding and all that stuff. So it's a very different album than we've made on your solo album, of course. But like after a month of you not drinking, man, it was like literally like you came in one day and, and it was like, Frank Sinatra just showed up. You were just like, yeah. <laughs> like this. And it was like, I was just like, this is a change, like a changed man. I mean, not that you were ever a bad singer, but it was like, we, it would, we, it would take us a while to kind of get through. Sure. And you've come in now on this record. We were like, black, we were doing two, three songs a day, and it was like, no problem. It really changed your whole thing. And you've been, I mean, really. I mean, what are, you, what are the two things you eat? Chilean sea bass and uh, vegan chicken? Yes, that's, that's your whole it. diet, right? Everything, pretty much. I throw much. in rice sometimes. Once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Or sugar-free candy. I'm a fucking weirdo. I just, like, I can't, I can't, I, sometimes I eat Brussels sprouts. The, the occasional smoothie. Yeah, I'll have a smoothie. 
Um, but I think I, my voice... I go through his trash and see what he had. <laughs> my voice has certainly been divisive uh, when it comes to Black Veil Brides. I have a different kind of singing voice. And in many ways, when I was younger and, and started the band, my interest wasn't in being the best singer in the world because my interests were in punk bands and the singer of Mad Sin didn't sound like a great singer. So the interest that I had in psychobilly music and punk rock, it led to me, it led to my, I guess, lack of enthusiasm for honing my voice or skills, which is kind of bullshit. And I, I realized that the older I got and I, I will totally give credit to anybody that's noticed a change in my voice through our records. I can definitely give credit to John for that because, um, uh, he showed me that th you should sing for the melody and I should get up to the level that I should be at. Um, and now I listen to our records, at least, you know, the, the current Blackwell record that we're making, the Andy Black record, and I'm really proud of my voice. And I wouldn't have been able, you know, we're not going to kiss each other's ass the whole time we're up here, but, you know, I will say that John did that uh, for me and, and I wouldn't be able to get to where I'm at now without him. So I appreciate that. Thanks, man. Um, we keep touching you. It's okay. We're very um, close. So one of the things, you know, having interviewed and spent a lot of time around a lot of bands that you've worked with, um, everyone does say, much like Andy was saying, um, just how involved you are. Like you mentioned another producer, and it's not specific to whoever that was. There are some producers where they're not around much. You know, they let the engineer do a lot of the work, or they come in and they give some kind of overall big picture guidance. And one of, of the number of consistent things I hear about you from the bands you work with is that you're very involved. You're like an extra band member. Um, and that the writing, the songs just flow in terms of writing songs together. The point that I want to make, though, and what I'd like to hear about from the two of you is that it's not as though you're writing a bunch of John Feldman songs and putting them out on records under different bands' names. You really sort of what you add is is more about building up what they already are and, and very specific to each band that you work with, right? Like that's absolutely. I mean, I was just thinking about um, what was the. F do you remember the first song? Was it Stay Stay? Do you remember the first song we did for the record, Stay Alive, maybe or Beautiful? For the Andy Black record. For the Andy Black record. Do you remember? Uh... Anyway, you, you you had just gotten back from tour, and and I think I think you were coming back from Siberia or Russia, and you were on this train ride that sounded like the you love that tour that was like the favorite. worst hostel like hostel part five like this movie of you being on this train and like just horrible situation this horrible thing and one of you one of your crew had, um one of your crew had passed away like unrelated i mean he didn't pass away on the train but yeah my my, my buddy chris uh passed away shortly after that tour we did uh we did we went to england for download then came back and chris passed away the day that we landed uh, so yeah, it was right after that. Would have been right after that. So maybe it was beautiful pain. Yeah, I, I want to say like the, within the first week, like I mean that's kind of what ha what happens. At least I don't think it's brain surgery. It's just like I mean this is like really, you know, a real emotional time. You know, for Andy, kind of coming off and making a first his first solo record, and and this this really tragic event that happened. And we just kind of sat down and we just talked talked about the story and how do we put this into a song and make it make it be real and touching and, and heartfelt for you. And it wasn't, and that's kind of what one of the first songs we wrote was about this story, about his relationship with him and tying into being on the road and the whole thing. And, and, it, and it's one of my favorite songs in the record. And, um, and that's, that's how you write music. You know, you, 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 tell, you tell stories and you figure out what, for me, I want to be able to feel something. I don't care. I want to be able to, you know, get, get cry or get angry or get pumped or work out. I want to be able to feel something with my music. And yeah, and that's it. That's all there. Ultimately, I don't want to, 
I don't want to spend my time like editing drums. Who gives a shit? It's like if we get the right, if you're writing the right lyric, you know, if we talk about an idea, and what happens a lot, and I know that we're probably talking about a lot of things, but what happens a lot, we'll talk about a concept, and then we'll usually write a chorus first, like that, like the, whatever we're writing about, the concept of the chorus, and Andy will go away, and he's like, you know, he's as old school as you get, pen, paper, and uh, you know, cigarettes on, you know, around the corner in my studio, and has this little, this little area, this little cove that he sits back and he comes back with these amazing words you know that's kind of our system sort of right that we kind of got to i don't know why i've never been able to to write in a a, a situation with other people around i don't know what that is with me maybe it stems from adolescence i would kind of write songs or poetry or whatever by myself uh, i spent a lot of time alone so i associate only child. yeah and being an only child i'm sure that that is part of it but i i always uh associate writing with with space you know kind of being alone and, and having my own distance from other people and being able to think and so um but with feldy part of the process is i mean you're writing with someone in a lot of in a lot of ways you're, you're trying to find what the song is going to be and so um i kind of had to get over my discomfort of that and uh, Feldy makes it you know comfortable for that for that to happen um but yeah i'll still go away and i'll write my little things and then i'll come back or i'll, I'll sometimes I'll, I'll transcribe them into my phone because i write pen and paper. I never write on my phone or tablet or anything like that because it feels too impersonal and I like to be able to scratch stuff out and draw little stupid, you know, bat signals and shit on there. And, uh, and so then I'll, I'll transcribe it into my phone and text it to Feldy. All the requests yeah, come to you when you're I, on your phone. Write them down. Like, Back to plugging the amazing Andy Black issue of Alternative <laughs> Press. Um, very personal and thank you. Can we give it up for Ryan for the amazing there. article? I don't know if you guys have read it, but it fucking rules. I wasn't fishing for that, but thank you. Um, maybe a little. Uh, no, hopefully everyone in here has read the feature that's in here so you understand uh, this is by no means the end of Blackville Brides. In fact, he came right off the road with Blackville, made the Andy Black record, and then went right back into the studio with Blackville. So stop asking that question on Twitter. Um, and you also understand sort of why he's doing this record. But real briefly for people who are going to be watching this down the road online, um, what was the initial inspiration for doing something outside of the band setting, um, putting the Annie Black name on it? And well, well, like John forth. said, I mean, I think that f for me, one of the, the reasons why he and I got along so well initially was because of the musical interests. Um, growing up, my favorite bands were Sisters of Mercy and The Damned and Typo Negative and, and bands that a lot of them were aired on the more like gothy side uh, and also punk bands, you know, your traditional punk bands, bands like Sex Pistols and the Ramones and the 77 punk stuff that my dad really liked and then also stuff like Stiff Little Fingers and, you know, things that were a little bit more aggressive. Um, and all those interests culminated in me being someone who was interested in writing songs. When I found the band Alkaline Trio, that was my first band that I found on my own, and I, nobody told me about them, and I found the record in a record store, and it looked cool, and so you know, I put it in, and I fell in love with the band. So then I started thinking, oh man, I can, I can write songs that aren't just you know, sort of rip-offs of Psychobilly songs or Tiger Army songs or whatever, which is, when I was a kid, I mean, you write what you know, basically. And so I was writing a lot of stuff that was very derivative of that. And that's a very universal experience. I mean, every band I've had up on the stage has said that. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I'm not ashamed of that. That's yeah, what, you yeah, know, yeah. young people do. But, um, and often it's what adults do. <laughs> you know, you try not to. Um, but uh, I, uh, those interests always have been there for me, particularly stuff we talked about, like Psychedelic Furs and early Generation X stuff, um, and how that was a mutual interest that we had. 
Uh, and so through the course of working with John, that was always something that was present. Um, and then I think it was actually you that you kind of came up with the idea of doing the solo record and doing something. I think it was more let's write psychedelic first songs together. No, that was 100% you, Andy. I'll take the credit, but that was 100% <laughs> right. you. But you yeah. were definitely... No, no, uh, we, we, talked about, we talked about how do we satiate your love of like, you know, The Cure, Psychedelic Furs, and, you know, Gen X, all, all that kind of stuff when you're in a metal band. I mean, how do you do that? And so we, we definitely talked about doing, you know, uh, stuff outside, but, but this was your concept, man. I'm so glad And I think that's, that's the sort of genuine, authentic, heartfelt place that most solo records come from. I mean, I think, you know, there's certainly the model where someone feels like they're not uh, creatively fulfilled by their band, and they. Well, you and I talked about that, up. and that's that's in the article. Is that one of the biggest problems that I had as a as a fan of many bands growing up was that the singer would, as far as I could tell, as a fan, the singer would get an idea of a whole different genre of music that he was interested in or he or she was interested in, and then the band would change entirely from record to record. Instead of a natural evolution of the band, it would be almost if you're a fan of our old stuff, you're kind of dumb because we're into this new thing that's much cooler and better and hipper. A, a um, contempt for your audience. Yeah, and I don't. I, I feel like as a band with Black Veil, whether people love or hate the band um, or indifferent, whatever it is, I feel like you can't deny that we've gotten to a point where we are at least comfortable with who we are as a band. We've made uh, four records, working on a fifth record. We know who we are, and, and I think that we, we know what our sound is. I think I would have been a fool to try to interject this music into the band. And also, it's not fair to my bandmates. There's four other individuals that have an equal say in the band and, and work just as hard as I do to make things happen. And so I didn't want to put that on everyone and go, look, now we're writing these kind of songs. Um, and so it just seemed like the logical and, and the right thing to do to do this. Uh, I understood that that was going to be twice the workload, but I know, I know you talked to Jake a little bit, um, and I don't think the guys in the band have ever noticed me not being there, not being present. I just have to work twice as hard. Yeah, that's exactly what Jake told me. Is, I mean, you're, you were still showing up for each and every Black Veil thing that you were needed for, and then some. Uh, and he was blown away by it. He was telling me, he's like, well, I mean, it's not, like and, it's it. not, and yeah. this is not meant as a slight against anyone else in the band, but w one of the things that makes me laugh about people who say, is Andy going to leave the band, is that I've been doing the Blackfield Brides since I was 15 years old. That's when I named the band and yeah. started the concept. It's like asking if Trent Reznor's going to leave Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, when I met the guys in the band that are currently in the band, that's when the band really started, and that's when we became more than just me and a revolving door of people. But the concept of me leaving something that has been intrinsically part of my life for over a decade seems kind of silly. So let's talk about how the record evolved from some of those inspirations like Lords of the New Church. And my, my favorite thing about putting this issue together, one of my favorite things about it was, um, you know, we, every month we do the 10 essential records, and some different theme on the back page. Um, and we did the 10 essential records that inform the Andy Black album. And it was, it was so much fun to put together because, um, you know, something that Andy and I, we've become very close as friends. And one of the things we have in common were all of those records that were on that back page. So it was so much fun even just to write about those and to have that creative fulfillment on my end of feeling like we're sharing with all of you um, like stuff like the early YouTube And by records. the way, I want to say a quick little plug for that type of music is that I've been seeing so much more of it in pop culture. And it's really fun. I was watching uh, American Horror Story, and they had uh, two Sisters of Mercy songs on there. And that blew my mind because as a kid... 
if I told somebody I liked Sisters of Mercy, they didn't. They just thought I liked, you know, the church or something. And I wasn't. It, it, they never understood the band. So to see that kind of music hitting in pop culture like that, that's that was so awesome. And then to be able to have yeah. that referenced in the magazine at the month and everything, it was it yeah. was very cool, kind of symbiotic. Billy thing. Idol and Adam and the Ants. Those were some of the first things that I got really inspired by as a kid musically. And even and, and you know, and to have somebody Andy's age who's in a band like Black Veil that's having the success that they are have a conversation about Generation X, Billy Idol's original band. I mean, it's just, you know, it, endlessly inspiring for me. So uh, talk to me a little bit about how it evolved from sort of like, uh, you know, I think there was an expectation that the Annie Black record would be kind of a, and I realize you guys haven't heard anything yet, although you've heard more than anyone else. You heard a song tonight? You did hear um, one song, right? So they, they have heard more than, yeah, they, they've heard I'm something. Saying, they've heard more than the rest of the world. Um, tell Talk to me a little bit about both of you about how it evolved and when you kind of writing all those songs when you realized okay this is actually this is what the record's going to be this is the direction we want to go this is what feels right right now. I, I was just thinking I mean maybe this doesn't answer your question I was just thinking about the idea of everyone because it's really you it's your album you know and kind of we did it together but we had we had a lot of outside musicians come help that we're that we're both friends with and I was just thinking that we have. You know, we got, you know, Gerard and Mikey Way. I mean, this is like the closest thing to like a, like a My Chemical Romance, like reunion on your, like, on your album. I mean, it's like... Which, by the way, we thought of like after the fact. We're like, oh, shit, they're both on that show. Oh, shit. Like, that's <laughs> true. So we do have a very small My Chemical Romance reunion on, uh, on was it Louder Than Your Love on the that's record? It. So there yeah, you go. You now you all know the name of the song, so... Everybody who's been curious about that, uh, if you caught that, you can tweet that out. And yeah, and, ju and just put that sticker on the front of the CD. It's yeah. like the, Black featuring the My Chemical Romance reunion. No, well, I don't want to use I mean, that's the thing is that everybody who gave of their time and their talent was so generous. And the one thing that we really wanted to be uh, mindful of is that we didn't make anybody feel like we were using them um, for their talent, but if anything, really wanting to involve them and have them write and work. I mean, Quinn uh, from The Used is so heavily involved in all of the record. I mean, the song you guys heard, he was heavily involved and the guitar playing and the, and the writing of and um, everybody that came in uh, who, uh, I mean, the Feldiverse well yeah I mean the but Ma everybody that came Brothers. in even not in, yeah I mean not even just in that capacity but other people that we had come in and, and punch stuff up or sing we had the guys in Five Seconds of Summer come in and drum and sing and do so much stuff um, you know and then obviously Patrick Stump came in and he, he, he worked on so there's just so much that we had people that were so skilled and without a band as such. Michael Bolton. Having Michael Bolton come in and not do anything but just be there looking at us the whole time was really fucking cool. Um, <laughs> thank you for that. If totally only, threw me off my only, train of thought. If only we got him. We would have a... Too expensive. We couldn't get him in. When you guys hear the gangster-ass verse that the game dropped on the Andy album and the Eminem track that you did, the rapping is just phenomenal. See, they don't know it's a joke, so the, the room is dead. Because no one's heard it. I, I just think that we, I mean, the, the idea of this album is like, I mean, what if, who's, who's really... There's no rapping on the record. I just want to clarify. <laughs> we went to this record thinking, how do we, you know, how do we get Andy's vision, you know, recorded? Well, we, and there we was no band. It. Yeah, we went in with thinking like, you know, how do we get the best songs possible? How do we really be able to, like we talked about, satiate all of your wants that you weren't able to do in your, in, in your metal band? And then these people would just kind of like happen. We'd, we'd write a song and we'd say, hey, and I would just say, this is the best musician suited for this song. It wasn't like, hey, let's just bring in. Sure. And the, but then we had people like Benji and Joel who would come in and were in the whole process and yeah, were there yeah. through almost the whole record. It would come in several times a week and work on stuff. 
that, you know, it was kind of a little bit of that as well, you know, where there'd be people who got it and would come in and, and contribute. Yeah, I mean, look, to, to me, to be able to bring a lot of these, I mean, and, and it's funny too, I mean, just thinking about it now, man, like, like Travis Barker lives lives in the city right next to us. As, as, uh, as I work with this one band, um, I, I live in the, in the West Valley, and he drove by there. We just drove by the, 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 the coolest little town, it's called Calabasas. They thought they thought Calabasas was called Calabasas. Sounds delicious. So, tra- you know, and I live in I live in the you know I live in Woodland Hills, and so like you know Travis lives in Calabasas, and so he's just like whatever. Hit me up one day on Twitter. I'm like, you should come play on the Andy Black record, and now I'm making a Blink 182 record. I mean, really, thank you for that. Thank you. It's all because of you, buddy. Because of Calabasas. <laughs> I love that sauce. Put it on everything. So you mentioned earlier, uh, you were talking about the, the little cove uh, on your property where you would go and create, uh, and you mentioned how um, that's always been a very sort of private thing for you. So I'm curious, uh, I'm sure everyone would love to hear, collaborating with all these different characters we're talking about from the Feldiverse that were brought into the orbit of this album. Um, what was that dynamic like? What was I'll, that just, I'll give like? you an example. Um, writing uh, We Don't Have to Dance, uh, with uh, Patrick from Fallout Boy, um, the the process was very simple in that we just sat and talked about things that we mutually hated for like a half an hour, <laughs> and then we just put them in a list, and that is the lyrics to the song. Um, no, but legitimately, like the first verse is like the, the it references Steve Miller Band because there's nothing I hate more than when someone's playing the Joker by Steve Miller Band on acoustic guitar at a party when you walk in and then they make you listen to the whole thing. Um, people that just have tattoos on their hands and neck and nowhere else. Um, yeah, that's uh, uh, mittens and scarf. Yeah, people that are, they're all about how much, like, how we're going to get so fucked up tonight and have so much fun. I have fuck fun tattooed on my wrist because I, there's nothing I hate more than the idea of that we have to force fun. We don't know each other, but we have to have fun tonight together. It gives me Thank hope. Thank you, fellow misanthropes, for your yeah, enthusiasm. Yeah, it gives me hope for humanity that there's no yeah. hope for fun. Yeah, uh, no, but so that was the thing. Is we, just, you know, we had fun just kind of teasing playfully about these little things that we both had mutual disdain for. And, um, and then obviously it being a very dancey song, calling it We Don't Have to Dance. And you know, when you sit in a play, one thing is in the chorus, it's We Don't Have to Talk, which is the, the feeling that I get every time I'm on a plane and someone is next to me and goes, what do you do? And I go, oh, we don't have to talk. It's fine. I, uh, computers or something? I don't know. I, by the way, just a side story. I uh, recently was asked what I do for a living, and I don't like to talk about being in a band or what I do for a living because I, it's too broad of a conversation. Once you say you play music, everyone's like, well, my sister sang at the talent show, and let me talk. <laughs> and so I just go, what? and so I, uh, I, <laughs> I came up with a response that was so dumb that I couldn't believe the guy bought it. And he goes, what do you do for a living? And I said, a little bit of everything. And he went, I know what you mean. And I was like, <laughs> the hell are you talking about? Because then I was like, does he think I think, like, does he kill people too? Like, this, because I think in my head that could be a guy who just kills people and doesn't want to talk about it. I mean, that, that, that's If I was a guy who kills people, I would say I do a little bit of everything. Yeah. Like, if I was a drug dealer, I would say I make deliveries. Yeah, there you yeah. go. So, it, that, is, that is what the song's about. So, the example of writing there was that we both had similar interests and we were just kind of laughing about something. And then we were able to put that down and then we were just kind of throwing lines back and forth. And, and then the song became the song. Um, super easy. Uh, similarly with Gerard. 
Um, you know, I, I I'm sitting outside with Gerard, who has a very similar style. He's got notebooks that he works in. We're both sitting there drawing comic book characters and talking about things. And you know, we kind of got to a point where we were talking about um, societal uh, beauty and what is seen as beautiful, and kind of the the issues inherently with having something that is stru a structured beauty that you have to look to, and how that can create issues for young kids. Um, and how we both have been people in our careers who have talked kind of as uh, trying to be an aid to the disenfranchised or the outcasts. Um, and so we just started writing about that kind of an idea. And uh, really all of the times that we worked collaboratively with someone, it, was, it came from that place. Can I just say when he showed up at our house in August, and it was 123 that day, and Gerard shows up in a full trench coat and a scarf, like right out of a comic book. Like this dude was, it was he walks over and I'm was like. Was it a trench coat or was it a cape? It was a trench coat, definitely not a cape. This guy was like full on. And I, was, and I, kinda, I know Gerard, he's a really sweet guy. And he had a smaller trench coat under it and then a smaller one under that. For real. Like he was he's actually like, made out of trench coats. People don't know that. It's hundreds of trench coats. But it was so hot. And I was like, he walks up, and my first thought, I look at Andy, I just go, I go, uh oh, you know, like what's going to happen today? And then, he, and then we, we did our thing, and then he just goes in the booth and he sings this thing, and he just opens his mouth, and it was just that magic just comes out. I'm like, this guy is so magic, and it was it was amazing. It goosebumps, remember? Yeah, absolutely. We were like, holy shit. Thank, I think thank you for yeah, coming. You we know? felt that way, and, and I felt I remember feeling that way when uh, when Bert sang on uh, Days Are Numbered on, on Wretched Divine. There's some people's voices that are so distinct that when you hear them, and you can't believe that they're, like for me, I, can't, I couldn't believe that uh, Gerard's, like you hear his voice, and this is someone that, you know, for me, I was, I, I've always said that I missed the boat on on my cam. I feel like I got into them later because at the time I thought when they were super popular, I was the dickhead who was like, I only listen to punk bands nobody's heard of. And, you know, and that's why I was, again, I, I referenced, you know, stuff like Guana Bats and things that I was really into at the time because it was. Yeah. And you're well aware that right now someone's saying that about Blackville Bro. Oh, 100%. I don't I listen am to that. that that's no, I get it. I yeah. understand now it's because. It's just the cycle of things. I, I totally get it because in many ways we're the band that is, is, you know, hated by the same type of people and I get it. Um, but I unfortunately missed so much of the greatness that is my chem, and I've since have, I've spoken emphatically about how big of a fan I am um, of all of their records and everything Gerard's done. So to have this song that we wrote together and then to watch him singing in the booth and to hear his voice, it was just so cool. And there was just so many moments on this record that were that way. Uh, you know, we're hoping to have to have Matt Skiba sing on the record. It should be a huge thing for me as as you know the, the biggest hero for me. Um, to have so many people that were so important, and I, and I thank John. Uh, every day for that because to have so many people that were so important to my musical development, I kind of tease and go like, this record in many ways is like 2004, 2005 Andy Dream Team. Like, you know, at that point in my life, I was like, I'm going to assemble everyone that is great and then I'm going to make a record. Uh, this is kind of that record for me. You know, it's my high school dream kind of. It's the Avengers of the Feldiverse. Yes. <laughs> yeah. you know? Which, do I get to be Batman even though it's the Avengers? Can I still be... Can he cross yes. over just you know for what? that? It can be the Justice League of the Feldyverse. Yeah, you know what? You know what sucks about this? Uh, Nothing. No, everything's great. It, <laughs> here's the one problem: it's it's supposed to be Batman colors, and I get that because the Batman logo. But it happened during football season, and it's goddamn Steelers colors, and that made me so mad every day. <laughs> Thank you. I know you don't mean it, but that's okay. Thank you. These are sports teams. No, it's, it's yeah. <laughs> Quidditch. I, you know, he could tell me the Bengals won the Super Bowl, and I wouldn't know anything. They did. So. They do every year. Congrats. They do. They've, yes. uh, well, yeah, 50 years yeah. straight. It's a crazy record that they have. 
God bless. Uh, we're going to turn it over to you guys here in a couple of minutes. Um, they weren't even a team until 1968, but still 50 years straight of the Super Bowl. I would not know the difference. Um, we, uh, Tyler Carter and I had this conversation about how he wants to do a podcast where uh, he, he teaches me um, about various things and I teach him about Morrissey. And so we were talking about, like, you're going to explain football to me at some point. Sure. We should do, we'll do a podcast that's just me telling you about football. Do you have to explain? I know about Morrissey. So do, do you, yeah. Are you yeah, just I silent for the whole yeah. podcast? I mean, I might, there might be something I know that you don't, but I doubt it. He's really smart. <laughs> uh, so uh, what happens next with the Andy Black record? Um, you, you're obviously in the studio making a Blackfell record. Um, we know that there's a music video that's in the works. We don't know when that's coming out yet. If that was someone's first question, you, it's still answer. yeah. I mean, it's you know at this point it's still rough, and then we've got mostly yep. footage in a in a hard drive right now. And but we know, and we know uh, when that single's coming out, but uh, we don't have a release date on the record yet. Correct? We do not have a release date on the record yet. Uh, but the record is is basically complete for the most part. And you do plan to play shows? Yeah, which uh, we'll be announcing uh, the tour shortly. So. It's just this. I'm not playing any songs. It's just me and Feldy talking. You just describe the songs. Yeah. I, I, I describe all the songs. Yeah. There's drums now. Yeah. Dr guitar now. It's like director's uh, there's, So there's a thing we do in Blackville where when we're really bored. We used to do this in the van days. We had a song. Uh, what's the fucking song? It's uh, God Bless You. Where we all, we all know one part to the song to mouth so we will sit and then like someone else comes in it's like sort of an in the round situation so if you ever see all five of us on the street ask us to do it and we will for you we all walk in packs we're gonna bring you guys up we have two microphones set up here you should know how this works uh, Get ready for all the tech questions John. couple of orderly lines um, John Feldman tech questions my coffee machine is broken. Hi. Hello, I saw you on the hallway. We selfied. Yeah. I was about to pee, and then she caught me, and so I wasn't looking. <laughs> I just peed, yeah. <laughs> Hi, John. Hi. Um, my name is Ariana, and um, I was wondering, like, when, like, you guys said you wrote, like, so many songs for the album. Um, how do you narrow it down? Like, what's the process of narrowing it down? Because obviously you love all the, you know, the songs. Like, what's the process of narrowing it down to, like, just, like, you know, maybe what, like, 15 songs on the album. Or That's whatever. a great question. The oh, bar wow. is high. Can I just say real quick that my daughter, my daughter is seven, and she has this, like, uh, when I walk in every morning to get her dressed for school, I walk in, the first thing I see when I open the door, she has this massive Ariana Grande calendar. <laughs> it's the first thing I see every morning, and oh it's so God. fucking creepy. Like, this her face, <laughs> like, with her, her yeah. ponytail and her makeup every morning. That's how I wake up to her. I, I met her, and it was weird introducing ourselves. I'm sure you're, you have a lovely <laughs> name, anyway. And you want to take you want to take that one? How I do don't even remember the question at this point. What did? <laughs> oh, the question. Yeah, it was you have, you have, how do we throw out songs? I mean, yeah. so that's a great question because I'll tell you, it's hard. A lot of times, I'd say ninety percent of bands, the last song they wrote is the best song ever written in the history of music. I can say from this side of the table, 
bands tell me that 99 it, times. They always think, so sometimes if we've been, like this writing process, we were in the studio for almost half a year, which was amazing, because, I mean, Andy's my family. I love this man, and it's like, we, we had a, a great, it was a really great and fun process making this record, but going back and listening to the first song, sometimes we're like, oh, we've been living with these for six months, and we're bored, and so we have to bring in, I like to bring in the non-musician, like my wife who cannot sing Happy Birthday to save her life. You know, I like to bring her in and have her, you know, have her kind of just say, you know, does this song, can I remember the chorus of this song, you know? And then we kind of go back, but it's tough because they are kind of all of our children, right? Every song. But I mean, ultimately, we have a team of people we trust, you know, Blasco being one that's, uh, that manages Andy and, and a few people that we really trust. And we go, okay, what is it? And then we look through the album. Are there up-tempo songs? Are there ballads? Are there, you know, what, what kind of stylistically, we don't want to be falling asleep halfway through. We want to keep it moving. So yeah. all that comes in consideration. Yeah, and to, and to John's credit, uh, he's really good as a barometer for what is great and what isn't. And I've argued with him many times on songs, um, you know, not, not heated arguments, but certainly we've had disagreements about what is great and what isn't. Uh, you know, I think that at the end of the day, we've been able to mutually come to the decision on what's going to make it to the record and what isn't. You know. Do we ever play Canadian ping pong, or you and don't you won't let me do that, will you? What the hell is that? You, you, when we play when we play when we play ping pong, and then I and then I hit you as hard as I can with the with the ping pong ball. And Why it, is it Canadian? Because I don't know. Next question. <laughs> hey, we're gonna go this way. Uh, your name and your question, please. Hi, I'm Jade, and um, I'm 15. And I was wondering what you did when you were 15 to help get you to where you are now. Um, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a loaded question because 15 is a hard age, uh, you know, particularly for someone who's interested in, in music. Um, it can be difficult because, by and large, other people who are 15 lack the conviction or ability to stay focused enough to uh, help you in your process if you want to be a musician or a writer or anything creatively. Um, one of the biggest struggles that I had was that I sort of faced a revolving door of people um, in my band. Uh, I played high school battle of the bands and those kind of things, and um, it was about cultivating uh, relationships that could at least last long enough to get to the gig. But um, as far as being a 15-year-old and trying to find my way, uh, I don't know if there's really an answer that I have for that other than it's, it's, it's a difficult time, and you have to really find something that you're passionate about and love and, and keep your head down and realize that um, no one is going to treat you like an adult if you don't act like one. Uh, one of the biggest things that I see issue with is that um, the, the, my vocabulary and the way I act in interviews and that kind of thing, it's not a magic trick. It's not like I'm doing some sort of magical thing. I just, I studied and researched and I treated myself as an adult at a young age and I wanted to act like one and I wanted people to take me seriously. Um, and so if you, if you have that candor and you act like someone who uh, is worthy of their time and interest and, and you know, uh, in any field that you go into, I think that that'll help you be successful. And conversely, I just want to add to that that today I did. Um, I had short. I pulled my shorts all the way up to my uh, my nipples, and I wrote a song called Camel Toe today. So when he talks about <laughs> acting like an adult, I was. I want to just concur. I agree. Acting like an. See, that's what I'm saying. It's it's different for everyone. Some people pull their pants up to their nipples. <laughs> Other people don't. <laughs> Always. These are what we call complementary differences. Although I will say, at Matt Good's wedding, my buddy Matt Good got married, and the my they you know you get the suits that are tailored or whatever beforehand, and my measurements were wrong, so the pants were so big that I had to pull them up almost to my neck, um, and then I had to button the suit jacket. So if you could see, if I had taken the suit jacket off, I would have had suit pants that went right up to about here. Uh, it's not the best look. 
So I kind of I'm with you on that. I, I, but I do want to say um, I moved I moved to LA I moved to LA when I was when I was 19 uh, and 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 I you know being true to yourself is it's hard to do and everyone sometimes and everyone around you is saying you're never gonna make it it's never gonna happen and you're not good enough and like every you know a lot of people you know face adversity like at least I know we did you know being told this wasn't gonna happen and and, and being true to yourself is a hard thing to do and I remember I, I had a rehearsal space on on um, Hollywood and Vine was the first place I rehearsed in my band when I moved here to be, you know, in a band, and, and it was like, we would come downstairs, and it was just like, it was so gnarly, just people just smoking crack at three in the morning, it was so, and I was like thinking, my kids are never gonna, it's never gonna happen, I don't care what they want, I mean, you know, it's, it's a whole different thing, but being true to yourself is a really, um, it's, a hard, it's a difficult thing to do, and, uh, and um, good luck. Yeah, I mean, I think I think most people know that I lived in my car when I first came out here. I I came out right before I turned eighteen and was was entirely homeless and sort of lived at rehearsal spaces because you could stay there all night. There were lockouts, so I could park my car and nobody was going to kick me out. And I lived in an '86 uh, Cadillac Eldorado, uh, and it was it was rough times. But you know, as you grow and and progress, hopefully you're able to find success. And I'm not advocating that you move into your car, just that you apply yourself to things. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, and I got to say, uh, nothing that I liked when I was 15 was cool or popular or successful. And I love all the same things I loved at 15, and now it's all fucking huge, and I make a living yeah, from that's it. That's true. So yeah. stick to your guns, y'all. You have great hair, too, Ryan. I love your hair. Feldy, we're going to have a coffee off, and it's going to end in making out. Um, we're going to go over here. No shirts. Hi. What's up? Um, my name is Stefano. I actually go here at the audio engineering program. Uh, question, actually, for you, John. Uh, with... Andy's voice, which reminds me a lot, the only person I can think of was like Billy Valo, who I love. Um, what mics were you using for his vocals for this? We, you know, we, we went through probably like, I don't know, probably three-day auditioning process during the Wretched and Divine sessions. And I, initially, I thought because this baritone, the deep baritone that he has, because he's such a unique voice, I thought it was going to be a 47 for sure, which is the classic Beatles mic. And um, I just thought because it, it's, just a, it's a really big diaphragm mic. And... And uh, it ended up being a manly hypercardioid, the black manly mic, which just, just got this, t this pristine top end that for me, it just made, it got all, it kept all that low resonance of his voice. It was, but I was able to hear the clarity of him, you know, enunciating, you know, all the way and being able to hear what he's saying. We use a slate compressor, which is modeled after the 1176 blue stripe, but it's got just, it's just, just modded out and we use a 1073 preamp. And to me, that's, that is his chain, his vocal chain that we've used. And again, well, I think we tried a few more things yeah. starting the Andy Black record. But to me, I don't know. That microphone is just its perfect for his voice. I mean, going into this record, we did try to audition other mics, but ultimately that was the, 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 what sounds the best. And it's a black microphone, so we had to use it anyway. Because <laughs> Andy Black, you get, you get it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> awesome. That was an amazing question. I think I'm sweating like a little bit now. I don't know if it's like by proxy or. Could be. Yeah. Yeah, I, so I got high. back sweat. Hi, my name's Cassidy. Um, Hello, Cassidy. <laughs> um, I'm in high school and. Um, Are I'm, you 15? No, I'm 14. Gonna be 15. Almost 15. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, I know that for me, like going day to day, I have my bad days, and I know a lot of people do too. But for me, I know that whether it be your music and many other artists, it helps me a lot, whether I'm feeling down and stuff. And I know it helps out a lot of other people, such as the song Savior, Lost It All, and um, many other songs, basically almost all the albums. How does it feel like when 
the fans come up to you saying thank you so much like also coming from me thank you so much for the music just to help you stay strong because i know for me i'm almost two years strong from like self-harm and stuff so i thank you so much for the music and i'm almost in tears because this music has helped me so much so what is it like when fans come up to you saying thank you well first of all thank you so much and thank you for sharing uh your strength with everybody here we appreciate that um one of the things that I, I've tried to be very clear with people about is that um, it was not my intention ever to write songs for you. And I say that because I didn't want to be disingenuous. I did not want to sit down and write songs for people that I didn't know personally and write about their problems because I don't know their problems. My goal was to write songs that hopefully could connect with people by writing about genuine things that I've gone through or how I felt. When I listened to Springsteen as a kid, it didn't connect to me because I thought that he had taken the time to write about what a 15-year-old in Cincinnati thought about his lyrics. It was more about the fact that, wow, I can connect with that or I could feel that. And so the fact that the music that we have made and the music that I have made in my life um, has connected and resonated so deeply with so many of you and like your story means exponentially more to me because I know I didn't sit down to try to pander to everyone. I know that it was genuine from me and the connection that we have then means a lot more because my words and how I felt about something is something that meant something to you. So I hope that you can keep that with you and if you're an artist or a writer or anything, yeah, yeah. Um, please carry that on and remember not to pander because I know that it can be there and I know that there's a, there's a strong influence of I want to help people but it can border on helping people as opposed to uh, pandering to people. And I think at the end of the day, just maintain being true to yourself. And uh, I really appreciate the fact that we were able to connect with you so much. Yeah. And also the music has also wanted me to help like start my own band and stuff. And so far I'm starting my own YouTube. I have my own YouTube channel. And Excellent. I've, co I've covered um, In the End by you guys. And oh, cool. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate awesome. it. Thank you. Thank you. I want to say Lost It All is such a good song. Even to this day, still gives me the, the feels. Uh, well, Andy knows I've said this like a hundred times. But it I does. I, I love that song. I think In the End is the Black Veil time capsule song. That just, that, you know, if you were to beam something into space and say, <laughs> what does Black Veil Bride sound like? Yeah. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, my name is Morgan. I'm actually a student that goes here as well. And Andy, I think this question's mainly directed towards you, but um, since you had the two projects, both Andy Black and Black Veil Brides, Ly lyrically, do you um, do you usually write a lot of words and then find out which you know which set of lyrics goes better with Black Veil Brides or which go with Andy Black? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that <laughs> initially what made I'm kind of working backwards because what made Andy Black so um, cathartic and easy was that I felt that everything I was writing was kind of pent up and feelings that I was having and emotions that were ready to be you know taken out. Uh, writing this Blackville record that we're working on now, I'm kind of re-entering the bank of like, what are things that I feel on a more existential level? Because the Andy Black record is much more personal. Every song is literally about shit that I was going through that month or had just happened to me. I'm telling you the actual story, whereas most of what I do with Blackville is much more, um, it's meant to be a little bit more ethereal and it's more stuff that's about a general topic or a general uh, concept. Um, or how I feel in regards to something. Say I write a song that's a political song, to me, you might not hear it and think it's that way because it's more broad. Um, whereas on the Andy Black stuff, if I was bummed out and depressed and wanted to go home because I'm homesick on the road or something, I wrote a song about that that way. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess in that way, uh, it, it was a lot easier for me to do the Andy Black stuff in the way that we did it because it was all just ready you know, with the moments that were happening.
All right, great. Thank you so much. Yeah. That's a great question. Thank you. <laughs> you mentioned the Camel Toe song. <laughs> he just reiterated that he wrote a song called Camel Toe. Who, who, who's the lucky band that gets to share in that song? <laughs> Sing it. I need a double kick pedal and I need, yeah, okay. That's it. No drums, just a double, double kick, kick pedal. And a mandolin, just. a didgeridoo, and a flute. <laughs> I had a band open for us that played didgeridoo on stage. Was it your own band that opened for yourselves? Because I know you got that new didgeridoo. Anyway. Hi. Please, please ask I your could, question. I, I, knew, I, I knew I wasn't going to say the word right, so I just went over there. Yeah, that's all right. Please okay. ask your question. Just okay. cut right in. Hey, I saw you when I was peeing, too. Yeah. <laughs> okay, when you, like, listen to music, did you, like, like the music for the lyrics or the actual, like, instruments? And, yeah. I think it's different. Uh, it evolved over time. When I was a kid, I listened to music for the melody. When I was really young, I listened to songs to sing along with them. Um, as I got older, it became, what are they saying? And then I started kind of replicating the ideas and concepts and then writing my own songs. But I think like anybody, when I first heard songs, you know, the reason that I liked Kiss from a Rose by Seal when I was six years old wasn't because I thought the lyrics were so deep and meaningful. It was just fun to sing along to it, you know. It's a hi-hat sound, dude. You're like, the hi-hat sound is incredible. I love that song because of the hi-hat sound. I have the hi-hat, uh, the actual hi-hat tattooed on my back, full size. From the, from the recording, song. yeah. And you were listening to it, and you were like, that hi-hat needs like a little more sizzle. I was, yes. I listened to Michael Bolton only for the kick drum sound. That's it. Just I just love that kick. Yes. Thank, Thank you. you for the question. Thank you. Hi, um, this question's for John. Uh, I'm a huge fan of your records, like Tracing Back Roots from We Came As Romans, and also the records you've worked on with Five Seconds of Summer. Um, what is, like, what are the... That's just to speak to that point. We Came As Romans, Five Seconds of Summer, same dude. Like, that couldn't happen back when I was growing up. So thank the God way, we don't have that, like, you know, that happening anymore. You can listen to music for the sake of good music. And just as you wanted to set the record straight earlier, I want to set my own record straight. I actually don't own any Justin Bieber, but I do have, like, all Cradle of Filth. Go on. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I agree. That's a way. But I that's a. Agree. That's a way. Sorry, call dude. Back. It's fine. Way this call coke back. is kicking in, so I'm gonna probably stop you. I'll probably say two words and whatever. That's cool. I just spilled all over the. You. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are kind of like the differences and, and difficulties of like switching from a band like We Came as Romans to a band uh, like Five Seconds of Summer and like the process of writing music with both bands? Uh, I mean, it's a, it, it really is a great question because sonically. It's, it is, it's, it's interesting how a lot of times, like, um, uh, the poppier the band, like, the darker the, the darker the humor and the heavier the drugs. It's weird. And the, and the heavier the band, the more focused and not, like, not to say that Five Seconds of Summer are on drugs by any, <laughs> do not quote me on that at all. Um, uh, but, you know, for me, it's about, like, the, the, it's about the people in, you know, who, who's, I'm a singer. I started as a singer in a band, and I always relate first to li like lyrics, melodies, and what are we talking about? What's the concept of the song? And once we have that, like the other stuff works itself out because the musicians and most of the bands I work with are, 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 are I've been really lucky to work with amazing musicians. And you know, Josh from from We Came as Romans, I mean, he had a clear vision of what the record was going to sound like. And I mean, Hope was the first song that we did together for that album, Tracing Back Roots, right? And I had an idea for a melody and a and I, so that record, I said, because there's such a heavy band, 
I wrote this melody on piano. I had three chords on piano, and it had this like soaring anthemic melody for the chorus of hope, right? And I came back to Josh, and I said, what do you think of this? And I let him do his thing to this melody that I had. And to me, that's what started. There was a spark for that record. You know, Five Seconds of Summer is an interesting, they're an interesting band because all four of them are such great singers, and all four of them write as well. And so they, they, would, they write in pairs. So I'll have two of them for a day, and then the next day I'll have the other two for a day. So it's a very, a whole different style of writing and a different style of recording. But ultimately, it's really whatever, uh, we like to write like what's going on with us. Like we talked about Andy writing be that song Beautiful Pain about what happened, you know, on his, on his and, and it's kind of the same way for all these, for most projects, we're trying to talk about what's happening today in the moment. And, and that's kind of how we go. And stylistically, the bands play their own music, so it works out. Thank you. For me, because they're so rad. All these bands are rad. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Thank you. That guy looks cool. Hi, uh, my name's Selma. Hi, Selma. Uh, hi. Um, so I'm a music student like myself. I play flute. It seems that no matter how hard you try or no matter how hard you practice or how much hours you pour, there's always someone who is better than you without even trying. And you know, I personally feel that I'm in the marching band and there's always that one person. I yeah, and that person's yourself. a douche. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, like there's just times where I'm like, why am I doing this? You know, they're better, whatever. I should just like quit now. Like what do you say I should think about how could I overcome those feelings? Look, like at, at the risk of sounding too like masturbatory right now, I think I'm an example in some ways of someone who uh, is not the greatest. I was not given the incredible gift of being able to sing beautifully. I can't sing like Rob Halford. I, I just don't have it. He sings um, beautifully? Uh, yeah, well, I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like the soaring yes. kind of vocals. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Uh, but do you know what I'm saying? Uh, and, and as a kid, um, I, I always just push myself to be as great as I could be at anything. I played a lot of sports as a kid, and one of the things was that I always wanted to be, I may not have the most uh, natural skill, but I wanted to be competitive and I wanted to be great at what I was doing. And so it's just about maintaining and finding your niche. Um, it doesn't really matter. When people listen to the Rolling Stones, they're not mad that they're not hearing beautiful singing. They love what it is and they love the vibe and they love the feeling there. Um, Mick Jagger is not going to win American Idol or The Voice or those kind of things, but you can't deny the the ability and style there. So um, just hone your style, find your craft in the way that you play and the way that your feel comes through in the play. Amen. Kurt Cobain was not a very good guitar player, and he changed the fucking world. So. And I also want to say that yeah, you absolutely. Um, I also want to say that the only someone taught me early on this this one of my like older gen this mentor guide said the only handicap in life. This guy had Parkinson's disease, a like 70 year old man. He's the only handicap. So that's one, or. What's that? Is that his one handicap? <laughs> <laughs> he said the only handicap, the only handicap is a bad attitude. I mean, that really is to the truth that I've experienced in my life. I used to sit next to him when he eats soup. He's like, he's like, I'm a really nice guy. Just don't sit next to me while I'm eating oh, soup. Oh, don't do the impression. No, he would just do it because he would get the soup. Well, anyway. We'll fix that in post. But I, I do want to say that. Just cut like, that out. I'll then. take your voice any day over Rob Halford's, by the way. Um, but the, the truth, the Thank truth you. is that like, I have people intern for, for me all the time, and it's like some people are 
clearly better musicians than I that come in these kids that are like just incredible programmers, musicians, but it's like when they come in there and they have this attitude or they're just, it's all about like your attitude, you know, and, and what you're going to bring into that. That's, that's. And if people want to work with you, I mean, that's really a big thing is that in the professional community, I know Feldy deals with it all the time. People come in and they could be the best session musician. They could be the best at whatever, but if they're not fun to be around, they won't see the, another session at that studio. So um, really just. And I think that's true. Nice. In a lot of professions, yeah. relationships matter. That was a great question. Thank you. Yes. Andy, while writing uh, songs for both uh, bands, do you, do you find that the lyrics or the beat were more important? Um, well, I mean, you can't, at the end of the day, you have to be proud of what you're saying in the song. So for me as a lyricist, I don't want to listen to a song and feel like I don't believe what I'm saying. Um, but by the same token, if the, if the bed of the song isn't good, then you can write the best lyrics in the world. But if the song sucks, then it's not really worth it. So I think ultimately we, like Feldy said, try to start with something that's worth writing to. Thank you. Thanks. As, as a mother with him, I just want to say thank you for being a true warrior of youth. You're oh, an inspiration. You. And thank whenever you. you and Feldy get together, a masterpiece happens like Wretched and thank Divine. You. So I know this one's going to be great, too. Looking forward to thank it. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you to both of you guys. Hell yeah. That's really wonderful. We are getting close to having to wrap up, but we got time. We got a few more minutes. Yes. Hi, my name is Abby. Hi, Abby. I'm you and Feldy have the same tie on right now. <laughs> she got the memo. Where's she got the, the memo, memo for yeah. your tie. I'm, I'm actually up here for my friend Katha. You see, um, you actually hate me, but your friend has a question. I give. I I know your type. I, I think you're I think you're really cool. Your music is really great, and even though I've just started listening, it it really makes me feel okay when I'm having a shitty day. So. Thank you. Um, the one thing I've always wanted in my life is to make people feel okay. <laughs> yeah, he's okay. He's not, you know, it's okay. But, um, you see, um... It's the okayest band in the world. You're great. Dude, but, your um, shoes are so big. Let her ask the question. Stop it. Like, <laughs> I'm just saying, you have very large... Is it, is it better seats. to be loved or hated or just okay? Well, is that the question? No. Let her ask the damn question. Got it, totally. Let's just do the question. I understand that catheter is your friend. And <laughs> catheter? Her name's catheter? That would be the worst I hear, name you could ever name a I child. Hear, catheter. Can I hear the question? Catheter Felchman. That's our next one, dude. That's our next um, uh, match.com. Catheter, catheter Felchman. That sucks. All right. So just to be clear, your friend was like, I won't be able to physically get this question out. You're going to have to ask it for me. Actually, I think it's the other way around, but okay. um, just it. So I wanted to ask, this friend of mine, I've had a really shitty couple of years, and this friend, literally, her and the group that she's in, that I'm in, they make, it, they make my days okay, and I just wanted to ask, because she has this dream, and she wants, she, um, she's from Germany, she's only here for a year, and she wants to talk to you, and she wants to give you something that she spent this whole year working on. It's a notebook okay. that she's piled everything into, and it would mean a lot for me personally if you would just talk to her afterwards. Okay, sure, yeah, she can just bring it over to, to when we're done and, and to the door. That's fine. Thank you. Thanks. Do you guys all know each other, or is this just like a big moment of hugs? 
I hope you don't know each other. And this is... Your catheter? Hello. <laughs> that was really awesome. I have to pee, so I mean, it's useful. We know. got, we're going, uh... We'll keep rolling. Do you mean, what, what do you got? We got, uh, we got a few more. We got a little bit more time. Hey, Andy, my name is Gareth. Uh, Hi, Gareth. I'm... Uh, I'm a musician. I feel like the one of the only ones in this town that doesn't go to this school. Um, <laughs> uh, as a musician... I didn't even I, finish high school, so everyone here is smarter than me is better. So. <laughs> um, one of the things that I notice is that um, when I'm writing, you know, music and, like, you know, um, melodies, they seem to come easier to me, but when I'm writing lyrics, I, I have the inspiration to get the lyrics, but I just... When I'm writing, oftentimes they come off as cheesy or cliche, corny, it's just, you know, if, you know, has it ever happened to you, and, like, how did you, you know, get around, you know, use, like, you know, writing the cliche or the corny things? I think Feldy's, I mean, you, you write so much, do you want to, do you want to feel this one? Uh, lyrics are, lyrics are so important, I mean, to me, uh, at least in pop music, it's like, I got to relate, I got to relate to what's going on, and, and when I always have a recorder by my bed, because a lot of times it'll be four in the morning, and I'll be like, I, you know, wake up from a dream and be like, I got to record this. And I mean, nine out of ten times is like. <laughs> and at the time, I'm like, this is the greatest. I don't want to wake up my wife. My dog's like looking at me like, why are you singing? It's, you should be sleeping. But um, Was that I, the origin of Camel Toe? Was it four in the morning? No, the dream. Camel Toe's a real hit. Stop making fun of it. Um, <laughs> I just think for me, like inspiration, I, I believe songs wait for me in other places. I like to walk around, I like to write in different locations around the world. And I think that when you're inspired, write as much as you can. If you feel like, oh, I, I just saw a movie, I just heard a song, I just met this person, whatever, write as much as you can. Because a lot of times when I'm in the studio and it's like, you know, day after day, it does get cliche. For me, at least, I can get, I know I'm redundant and, and it's the same stuff. And, not that I, that it never happens to Andy, but for me, I sometimes get, um, yeah. No, because you, I, to be to be clear, you're more daring with what you'll you'll go with. I mean, one of the biggest problems that I have and that I try to break free of is that if something isn't perfect lyrically, I don't want to say it or be around it or I'm afraid to to talk about it. You know, um, Feldy's more free with the lyrics. I mean. You know, th there's certainly been things that we laugh about over the years because he'll just say something and maybe it's great and maybe it's completely batshit crazy. Uh, but more often or not, or more often than not, it's it's amazing. And so um, you just have to be be like Feldy and not like me. Be uh, be more be less afraid. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Awesome. Great question. Yes. Like all the way back. <laughs> She's 11 in the 16th grade. What is your question? <laughs> I don't. I didn't finish school, but that is that how many grades? You had so many more to go. I had 16 to go? I had a couple questions. They are kind of weird, but I was going to ask them by the way. Are you guys all going to hug after this one too? Because you could just do it now and get it out of the way. I don't and you all said right. a couple of questions, but we're almost done, so you really have to keep it to one. I'm okay. sorry. My first question was going to be, what is your like, first thought about us? Like, what do you think when you first see us? Like, I, it was just one of the weird questions. Like, what's, like, what's my read on y'all? Like, what? <laughs> what's your first impression? You're all of very different heights. And <laughs> could you please come up, back up, please? I want you to do something. Um, can you stand just in the middle of the two of them? <laughs> 
Has anyone ever seen a staircase before? Because I would like to name whatever your gang of friends is the staircase friends. You already have a name? And if it's not Staircase, I don't give a fuck about the name. I'm pretty sure the name was just changed moments ago. I just changed your name. Think about that on the back of a biker jacket. Guys, you, you, seem, you seem, you all have cool style. I love your Misfit shirt. You guys seem great. But I will say that you are all perfectly, <laughs> slightly shorter than the previous. <laughs> and that's really impressive. I didn't have friends that were just a little bit shorter than me all the way down to the ground when I was a kid. So if you could get someone just a little bit tinier than you and then a baby, and then a dead dog on its side. Oh <laughs> and then you'd go all the way. I want, I want to see the friends that were kicked out of the friend group because they didn't fit the symmetry. There's got to be... <laughs> like, I make up for my height with my size. So. Ah. Uh, also, my second question is... <laughs> Can I see her thing? No, she you're made? not putting a value judgment on which height is better, by the way. It's, no, it's the, it's the they're all great. harmony of the three heights together. Each one plays their role. My other question would be, because I really want to ask this, do we seem like a cute couple? Because I know it seems really weird, but it was just something we wrote in the journal. You wrote, do we seem like a cute couple in the journal? Are you asking yourself? Is it a mirror journal? I don't even know anymore. Because I just created that, mirror journal. Just put a mirror inside a journal, just look at yourself every goddamn day. Yes, you seem like an amazing couple. Can we please get some other questions from someone? I love you so much. Thank you so much for coming. I love you, Staircase guys. Staircase guys. Yes. You're the best. Do you have a height or couple-based question? I Do you don't. want me just to tell you about what you look like right now? Or? No. Because you look great. I love your jeans. Thank you. Um, my name is Bianca. I do go here. Um, I'm a songwriter, and I, this one's for both of you. I know you kind of touched on the subject, but sure. I was hoping you could elaborate more what your process is um, for songwriting, maybe whether it's like mentally or physically. No, I guess um, I, a better question would be if you, when you go uh, to approach writing a song, um, what is your first thing? Uh, what do you do? Um, I usually think about like things that I've been through and things that Something that I you're guess. presently going through or something that you've been through in the past? Um, anything, just in the past, in the present. Usually, um, most of the time, it's usually in the present. Sure. And then sometimes if I don't have anything going on in the present, I'll think about the past. Uh, one of the difficult things for me, and this is just kind of, it, it speaks to our process, is that I have difficulty writing about something that's currently going on. I feel like I'm too dead on. It's too literal. Um, so we'll talk for a long period of time about events things that are happening to us, feelings, and how we can relate them to broader, more large experiences and things we've had. And then we'll go back and forth about maybe we come up with a line, a, mel a melody, or, or even just the hook. And then we'll write independently. John will go off, I'll go off, um, and, and we'll come back together. And usually we have something at that point. Can I ask like, a really quick question? Sure. When, what do you do when you get stuck? Like if you've written, say, like a hook, and then you can't figure out what to write for the rest of it. There's got to be like a go-to kind of muse, you know, like figure out what that is, where there's, you know. I mean, John's the best person to ask that or answer that because he is the most prolific writer, I think, in America. I write a lot of music. Yeah. I do, a lot. And, um, you know, I know uh, for Andy, it's Will Smith and Independence Day is what his go-to <laughs> muse is. Like, whenever he's stuck, we just put that on. He's like, just like yeah. 80 songs. Just a drawing of him in that character. Is I just enough? have a frame. Is it him punching the alien specifically? Yeah. 
but but for real, like there's there's things I'm sure that you you know music or people or you know whatever. Like I think you were gonna say pizza. Pizza. <laughs> pizza <laughs> music good. or pizza. Pizza's a good one. Yeah, and and you I think I think you're spot on. I think you answered your. I mean, to me, you answered your own question right away. You just think about events that have happened in your life, and you pull off those experiences to write mm -hmm. music. I mean. You know, I mean, I have, I mean, I'm so lucky. I've, I've had a, I have a wife of 20 years, and I always hung out. I wrote a song today with her, just hanging out with her, just whatever, just standing there. Just, she's like, this is so weird, dude. Why do you have to keep doing this? But it was, you know, anyway, I mean, anyth I mean, anything can be inspiring. I think, you know, going to the ocean or staying up for three days in a row, you can write some pretty crazy shit. If you the difficult thing is before you're writing to uh, a record, or a, a vibe, it's very hard to write because it could be anything. So try to focus yourself on what you really, what a value is that you don't feel you have yet. I'd like to write a song about this element of my personality or this uh, memory that I've had and try to really, I know it seems a little bit too uh, premeditated for artistic endeavors, but I think in my experience to have something that makes you feel like, you know, I, I've always wanted to write something about the way I feel about this. Um, then you can really hone in and, and really nail it. Thank you. Awesome. That was a very good series of questions. Uh, there's probably going to be time for maybe two more. I mean, I don't, if this is, if it's just this number of people and we can do it quickly, I think we can finish it. I mean, it's up to you. Yeah, but we have to really, we have to go quickly and Feldy and I have to answer quickly, but, but uh, we can, we can, we'll make sure we get to everybody and please make sure that your question is of, you know, what you feel is of some By the way, me looking at my phone is me looking to see who from the Musicians Institute is yelling at me via text, so <laughs> it's quiet right now, so quick. All right, yeah, so questions. please, please. Hello. So I'm Kata. <laughs> Great. And I wanted to ask you, would you advise people who are quite unsure of themselves uh, in, I don't know, public or kind of stuff? Well, you know, I, I think um, finding the best part of your personality and, and trying to uh, build that up, it's not necessarily creating a mask, but it's an identity for yourself. As a kid, one of the reasons that the character Batman resonated to me was because it was about someone taking their biggest fear and turning it into the thing that they show to the world. Um, when I was younger, the character that I created on stage and the version of me that was the guy who made the crazy faces and had all the makeup and everything, that was a version of me that could deflect the drudgery and the difficulty that I would face in day-to-day -day life. So find something about yourself and create the best version. Create a superhero version of yourself, and over time you will become that person. Um, and I don't want to, you know, at the risk of sounding too like Tony Robbins, it's, it's, it's really it's important to create the best version of you. Thank you. Awesome. Hello. Hi, I'm Brittany. Um, I'm here in memory of our mutual friend, Courtney Campbell. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, she kind of helped me with this question, but it's really important that we ask um, um, if you could give some advice to finding the line in this business between fighting for what you want and being yourself or being someone people want to work with. Uh, well, I mean, Feldy, with, with personal relationships for you, what, what is industry-wise, what is the way that you handle, you know, like uh, a new manager, a new whatever, like what is the way that you? I, I mean, I think uh, look, th thinking about your question, for me, I think about, you know, animal rights, which is a big deal for me, and how do I, how do I not seem preachy? How do I sing about what I believe in and not feel like I'm trying to force, 
you know, what I believe in down, down people's throat. And, you know, some days I just, I have to say, I just have to say what I mean. And they, they say, right, what do they say? Say what you mean, mean what you say. Don't say it mean. But sometimes I got to say, sometimes I just got to be emotional about whatever it is that we're going through. And I think that's why music exists, right? To be able to say anything and not, um, not, not censor yourself. I mean, I think that's why both of us are still able to do this because we are able to speak our minds and be true to who we are, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Great, thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. Hello, my name is Talia. Um, I have a quick question. What is the message to this new Andy Black album? Like, what would you want your fans to know? Like, what's the meaning of the album? Uh, it's just me. You know, honestly, at the end of the day, I know that that's kind of short, but it really is just, it's very <laughs> autobiographical. It's about me and my life and, and how I feel about things. All right, and really quickly, um, just thank you for your music, and you have inspired me a lot. And whenever I listen to your music, you make me really happy. So thank you. And you make me happy for thank saying you. that. Aww. Yes. Hi, my name is Ginger, and I wanted Hi, Ginger. to... Hi, I wanted to ask if you had a favorite song off the new Andy Black album. Uh, what do you think, Cody? What's your favorite? Uh, I mean, so when we first started the record, I mean, there was a, the, the, the kind of mission statement was, uh, you know, Bruce Springsteen, you too, which with your voice, it was, it was, it was magic. And we had a couple, a couple of kind of, you know, th beds of songs we had made. And there's a song called To Me. When I think about Homecoming King, that the, like that that song is so special. When we came up with this, it just the, the piano. I think that's Juliet's favorite too. That might be my favorite. Yeah, Homecoming is that, King. And is that still the first track? Or yeah, it's track yeah. one, as far as as far yeah. as I know. Yeah. It's also my favorite. I mean, you don't know what we're talking about, so it's. <laughs> yeah. But you will. You will. Okay. And I really love the song you guys heard tonight. That's it, yeah. to me. It's between those two. So. That song's like the obvious single, but there's there's some there's a lot of really good songs. Thank it's you. It's a good album. I like it. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, my name is Katrina. Hi, Katrina. Hi. I like Hi. your shirt. Thank you. I love it too. <laughs> um, out of all the songs that you have written from past Black Veil Brides to now, and along with the Andy Black album, which one is your favorite and why? Um. I guess uh, I'll, I'll tell you the song that always when I look at the song that came together the quickest and I knew from beginning to end that I absolutely loved every element of it was uh, um, Resurrect the Sun. And almost, almost immediately after the song was completed in demo phase, I drove to uh, my buddy Richard who does our artwork, I drove to his place and picked him up and we went to the, the parking lot of the grocery store near his house and uh, I played it for him, and I remember thinking, this song, from beginning to end, feels perfect. Like, you know what I mean? And then you have those feelings sometimes about something you create where you're like, wow, this is fucking great. I love that I did this. Um, and so I was really proud of it. And to this day, when it comes on, when we play it live, whatever it is, it's, it's one of my favorites. Thank you. Thanks. Hi. Um, I'm Valeria, and... Um, I was just gonna. I didn't see you. you. I thought you were over there. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I forgot that say, it goes um, back and forth. Thank you. You're such a huge inspiration for all your music, and um, I know you've worked with a lot of different artists in the past, but recently, who's the most interesting? Like, who came in and was just completely new, and like just different? Feldman. Oh me? <laughs> I was just looking at your great shirt. Oh, <laughs> thank you. You, <laughs> you said who's the who's the most interesting artist yeah. I've worked with in the last. 100 years? 
Is that the question? One. Yeah. Andy Black, for sure. Like, definitely. I agree. <laughs> I think you guys should just hug now. That, that just seems appropriate. The well, chairs don't really allow for we it. We hug a lot. Okay, that's a bummer. We always hug after we write music. Aww. No, we don't. That's not a real thing. We don't actually. <laughs> that, real, that picture that you made me post, put in my house. We took this the first picture the first day of the Andy Black record. When I, remember that picture? Yeah. They, they, they took and you blew it up like you didn't blow it up, but my intern blew it up. Your intern blew it up and got it framed. I didn't do it's that. Like my whole studio is your face. Yeah. <laughs> so. But I like that you use the term post. You put it in your house. Like that's not. Yeah. Well, I How many it. likes does it have in your yeah. house? <laughs> do people walk up and just touch it? Yeah. Your kids no. draw hearts on it? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Well, I think it was uh, Juliet said she was in a uh, like a department store or something, and she saw uh, a kid go up to a TV, like a little kid go up to. It's very sad. You can't zoom in, kid. Was that swimming? Was he trying to? No, zooming. Oh, zooming. People got it. I didn't get it. I thought he was swimming in the TV. Damn it! Don't be so analog, John. Face all greasy. Out of curiosity, how often do you have this problem? Is it every day that the mic stand is too small for you? Where do you work that there's a mic stand every day that's too small? I'm a student, that's why. A student with a, t a tiny mic stand? But anyway, importantly, I have been trying to talk to you for eight years. I've been a fan of you for that long. Have I been avoiding you? Uh, my mother's overprotective, but anyway. I, I, love I promise I will not hurt you. <laughs> I know. You I can know. tell your mom that. I know. November 14th, 2010, you inspired me to stop keeping my voice secret, which I had for my entire life, and pursue my dream of being a singer. And I Why that date, out of curiosity? Because that day I went to your concert, and I had a moment when you were singing, and you put your hand out. And I was thinking, you know, I want to touch his hand and see if this guy's for real, and if he really feels what he's singing right now. And so I did. I held your hand, and I felt it, and I'm like... Holy shit, this is why music is music. I should point this out that Juliet is here somewhere, so. Oh, sorry. But anyway. And now she's Adele. She touched her hand. and I created, that's how I created Adele. You created Adele by touching. Honestly, I, I'll tell you what, uh, and, and I, don't, I don't mean to be uh, judgmental at all of you, I don't know you, but you seem very impassioned, and like, I want to listen to every goddamn thing you say, so oh, yes. something happened. for you. You're, I will sing for you if you want. That's amazing. I like. I really, seriously, like whatever, whatever it is that happened between our hands or whatever, uh, <laughs> it did something awesome because you fucking rule. So I'm, I'm, yeah! I'm stoked. But yeah, if you ever want anyone to volunteer to help you with anything, I, I want to just shove myself into the music industry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for the. Whatever, no, whatever joke's coming. <laughs> Stop. All right. Well, but yeah, I've been waiting for so long, and, and thank you for letting me talk to you, because I've been trying to talk to you for so long. My question is, <laughs> sorry, um, what is the most important tool or skill that you employ to actually make your music a final product? Um... Honestly, it's it's just some internal judgment. I mean, listening to uh, roughs of a song 
and being able to determine what sucks and what is good. Uh, I don't know that that's necessarily a skill that everyone has, and I know that people would probably argue that I don't have it either. Uh, but you know, I, I think that personally what you feel about something when you can listen and go, this is great, or this isn't ready yet, um, and then to know what to add. You know, Something like the skill that John has, which yeah. is to know how to build a song, to know what it's missing, to know how to how to start it. You know, those are things that are very rare in the world. And um, you know, I think that it's it's a it's a process. You know, with any song, the song you guys heard earlier has been through so many different iterations. Um, and really, until we got to the point where we feel like this mix is ready, that sonically everything's there. Yeah. So from beginning to end, it's it's a long and arduous process. But you just got to have, I guess, good taste. Awesome, guys. I'm so sorry because I know Andy and Feldy would both like to answer every question here, and that's a sincere thing. But there is a curfew here, and I am getting yelled at via text because this thing is going to have to close down. And I don't. I, I appreciate the ambition. This is the most ambitious person I know. Yeah. And he really thinks he can like make it through. These I want to try. Yeah, and he means it, and he's inspiring to me. Um, but guys, thank you everyone for coming out. I'm sorry we didn't have. Thanks everybody. I really appreciate it. Thank you. But you guys rule. Thank These you. guys rule for coming. Give it up for them, please. Yeah, one thanks more time. to John. Give it up for John Feldman, everybody. Yeah.